You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Carcast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre. We got Bill Goldberg on the phone with us and our buddy Alistair Weaver. Welcome back to the studio from Edmunds.com. How you doing? Thanks, Matt. I'm good. Thank you. Oh, man, we've got a good show. A lot of good stuff to go over. Of course, we'll tell you that uh, Carcast is brought to you by Geico. Check out Geico.com for some nifty car insurance and Continental Belts. Uh, we'll tell you more about them. But you guys can check out OETechnologySeries.com to hit uh, to hit up uh, Continental and see what they're doing. Um First off, let's uh, let's kick things off. Welcome back to the studio. We got a nice weekend off after Spring Fest, racing cars, and spending the week with uh, with spending the weekend with Dodge over there. It was a lot of fun to do. I was uh, flipping through the channels this weekend, and of course, we saw Bill. We saw you on NCIS Los <laughs> Angeles and uh, running around driving the Hellcat, driving the Hellcat. It actually said Hellcat in the episode, and uh, it wasn't a scene with you, but at the beginning. Uh, 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 Callan on the show got got shot or something in his leg, and and LL Cool J rolls up and he's like, "Do you need to carry you and put you in the Hellcat, or can you get it in on your own?" I was like, "Yeah, it's a good, good, good mention of the Hellcat." So you guys, I saw you guys dropping around, uh, driving around in a little bit as well. So, um, uh, it's funny because you see it in the show all the time, and I bet that that thing probably got like nine hundred miles on it because all they use it is for like two seconds at a time. And and who knows how many they actually have over there, but uh, it's a good episode. I thought it was fun. It was interesting. I don't know if it was just coincidence or what to see a little bit of Shane McMahon in the beginning. And I, I, I assume you filmed stuff separately with 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 Shane. I don't, yeah, I didn't see Shane at all. Yeah, I don't know. If I don't even know what the relationship was like or what's going on. There's so much weird stuff in that world in the in the wrestling world. But uh, but a, a fun episode. It was good to see you on there. And it looks like. You watch it, it looks like just on a personal level, like you and LL get along great. Because I see you guys on the show, and and uh, it looks like you guys are having some fun. So They use the term brother from another mother uh, quite callously these days and lackadaisically, <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it definitely applies. He's a good dude, great guy, very uh, down to earth. And, uh, you know, when it's time for him to turn it on, he's he's pretty damn good at what he does. It's he likes to have fun and physical guy likes to train. So we got a lot in common. He loves the Hellcat and makes it for a wonderful working experience. Yeah. Now, what does he drive as his personal car? <laughs> do not know. Don't I know. do not know. No. They've been doing that show for a long time now. But uh, anyway, congratulations. It was good to see you on the show. Hopefully you get to do a lot more episodes. But um, uh, anyway, so Alistair, we um, – I wanted to chat with you guys because the uh, the the Jeep Gladiator had made so much uh, noise at the LA Auto Show, and Jeep's been talking for a long time of having a Jeep Wrangler, uh, you know, pickup truck version, and uh, and you guys finally got a hold of one and kind of put it through the paces and put together a pretty nice little. I don't know, I want to say like a half hour film on this thing. Yeah, so that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly well done. It was great. You put it up against the uh, the Colorado. Chevy, yeah, the ZR2. Yeah. The Colorado. Which is, which is the off road version of the Colorado, basically. It's kind of. That's right. The, yeah. the four wheel drive, a little bit bigger tire setup. And you guys kind of went. Uh, 
I don't know, sort of a head-to-head um, yeah, comparison I, out out in the dirt and 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 whatnot, right? So, what do you guys what do you guys think of it? I mean, I watched the video, so I don't know if I'm supposed to give away the results here. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the video is doing really well for us, but it it's an interesting one because uh, we we took it out into in, into the dirt with a ZR2, which, as you say, is Chevy's off-road focus Colorado. But it's kind of difficult to pitch the Gladiator because at one level it is a it's a Jeep, it's an off-roader, but at the same time it's going to be bought by fashionistas and everything because it looks cool and it's a Jeep and can take the roof off and drop the wind, you know, drop the yeah, drop the windscreen and everything else. So overall, I think they've done a good job. This is much more than just a, a Wrangler with a with a bed. And actually, we're doing a follow-up film which is all about comparing the Wrangler, which we have on our long-term test fleet, with the Gladiator and saying actually how different are these and. And Jeep has done a good job of, of, of creating a truck, not just a, a kind of little niche product off the back of the Wrangler. Yeah. Um, interesting as well, it's selling. I mean, it's really Is selling. It? Yeah. If you, I don't if know you if want, I've seen them out here yet. But no, you won't do. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not actually, when I say it's selling, there's so many pre-orders on this thing. There's so many people putting deposits down. But those, are the, those are Jeep guys. Those are a lot of Jeep guys. Like it hasn't really come into, you know, the the – Whatever the mall truck guys, whatever the term is for the, you know, for the city dwellers. It's it's the problem is with that, especially here somewhere here in LA. It's still a big vehicle. It's not a full size truck like yeah. a, a Ram fifteen hundred, but it's a big mid sized truck. So you know, if you were living with one in LA, it's not going to fit fit in the garage unless you unless you've yeah. got a Goldberg sized house. So it's it's. Um, you know that that's a challenge for it. So don't think of it as a as a lifestyle vehicle for for, for surfing or something because it's a it's a big unit. Is it underpowered? I have so many questions after watching the video. But uh, <laughs> is it is it on par with power? Or is it underpower? And I I don't know if you had a chance to drive it yet or you sent Dan Edmonds to drive it out. You know because he was in the video. So yeah. I don't know how much time you spent in it. So I don't know about uh, personally very, person. personally very little. But okay. I mean obviously we 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 sent the test team out for a day. So we drove it on the original uh, launch. We we got on access to the vehicle super early. So I think we talked about this last time. Vehicles are, are launched under embargo. So we all drive it. We all create all this content, and then they release the embargo, and boom, everything everything hits the hits the internet. Yeah. And we're all kind of fighting in 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 the media world to do something different and and that's what we want to do we've got the vehicle in we we've compared it to a wrangler we've taken it off and done something with a zr2 so it's really about off you know giving people what they want and and those head-to-heads people love that you know it's and then you get all the chevy guys saying oh no you know that like dan i think was driving the gladiator oh no he's a he's a jeep guy he's mm-hmm. he's by you stimulate this this huge debate about you know is it underpowered is it not is it is it a toy is it a real thing yeah and, and that's great because that's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, the 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 tow ratings seem pretty high for a vehicle that doesn't lead the category in horsepower. That's right. And tow rating, of course, is is based on all lots of other different factors beyond sure. just just pure horsepower. And and that's what there's I mean. Gearing, when, there's torque. There's you know. Yeah, that, that, and that's what in the, the chassis and everything else. So that's that's what I mean, really, when you're looking at um, what Jeep have done here. They haven't just taken a wrangler and and bolted a you know bolted yeah. a few tubes on the back they've actually done a proper job and i think they'll they'll reap the rewards for that it's a good looking truck it drives well it's decent on road we have the rubicon which is more off-road focused but you know it's decent on road it's great off-road interiors to yeah i was going to ask about the on-road versus off-road like uh, we have a vehicle that is made mostly for off-road you know, whatever the, the sway bars and stuff are detachable and the all-wheel drive and live axles. And, you know, it's sort of 
you know, in in the sports car world, uh, so many people still make fun of that. You know, you get a Mustang with a live axle. We don't have it anymore, but it took so long for yeah for the Mustang to drop the live axle. But Ford at the time kept saying, "Yeah, but we can make the live axle with a five link and a Panhard bar or whatever to to you know to perform well and still ride fine." So why do we need to change it? Eventually, they made a case for it with new chassis design and things like that. But uh, how how does the Jeep compare off road? Watching the film off road, it seemed to do great. the The long wheelbase is is an advantage and slight disadvantage here and there. I think you get their higher toe rating, a smoother ride with a long wheelbase. You know, maybe it's a little bit different angles of approach and and descent on, yeah. on hills because of the larger overhangs of bumpers and things like that in that long wheelbase. But uh, and also it weighs a lot, yeah, yeah, and it weighs a lot. Um, but uh, how is it to drive on on this street? If somebody, you know, if uh, like for example, like Goldberg's got his ranch down down south, Southern California, and he's doing stuff on the property, um, you know, um, moving stuff around and fixing fences and moving all sorts of animal food and, and you know doing ranch <laughs> stuff, right? Doing ranch stuff, but also you know he's. He's he's at baseball games every weekend and going to the store and going to the gym and doing the Muay Thai like is throwing it, the dog throwing the dogs in the back yeah throwing the dogs in the back so is this is this uh, is this a better compromise for for an everyday vehicle I, I think it's a good compromise I mean if you look at what Jeep did with the latest generation Wrangler it's a huge step forward on road than the ones that went before it I mean yeah. you don't have to go back too far and they end up being pretty um, agricultural. Yeah, um, I think the, I think Bill's choking on his beer. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'll keep going. Yeah, um, but this one, you know, this one, I, I think they pitched it right that it's it's versatile, it's very capable, but it's not going to kill you on the road. Um, whether you'd want to commute in it every day, that's a that's a different question. But as a as a thing to use and then enjoy on the weekend, going to the game, you know, tailgating mm-hmm. out the back of it, whatever, then. It's. I think it's going to be great for that. It also depends, of course, what which Gladiator you buy. So if you're serious about going off-roading, then the Rubicon makes a lot of sense. Um, if not, then you know perhaps a stand on slightly different wheels and tire options. You can kind of tune depending on which you buy. You can tune it a little bit depending on what you're going to do with it. So I I saw it at the LA Auto Show. I got to kind of crawl in it, but I'm not I'm not much of a Jeep person. I just never really had the need being out here. You know, living in in LA. Um, I've always believed, like, hey, if you want to do some off-roading and stuff, Jeep Jeep is where it's at. You know, they're just the most capable ones. Tons of modifications. One of the most highly modified vehicles on the planet. And you know, you go to the SEMA show, and it's a good indication of what you can do to a Jeep. It's pretty amazing. Um, but I looked at the new one, and I was like, okay. And I, and I noticed one of the things for me out here is, you know, things are busy all the time, so I make all my phone calls in the car, and I'm I'm on sort of a wireless, you know, the 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 hands-free deal. And I looked at the Jeep and I was like, okay, well, the, the roof was removable, but also like it's just a piece of plastic. So if, if you're driving this thing around on the freeway, is it loud? It's not. <laughs> well, we have the Wrangler and we have both the optional, the hard top, that, like the Targa that lifts out and yeah, the soft top. Yeah, but it top. seems like just a piece of plastic. I don't know if there's any sound deadener. There's no cloth material. There's no real – It's better than you would think. Yeah. I mean you can have – I mean ours has Apple CarPlay and things like yeah, that. And yeah. I, I'm a bit like you. I do – you know, I probably do too much business on the, on, on, on the fly. And it's um, – 
yeah, you can talk to people, and it's not a. I, I took one on a sort of four or five hour journey. It it's fine. It's so much it's better. Fine. I think they just yeah. got better at how they seal these roofs, the material choice, so mm-hmm. that you don't you don't get as much wind rustle. If you go for the soft top version, then it you know it's a little bit noisier as you'd expect. You get a yeah. bit more things like heat soak. You have to think about if it's uh, depending on where you live in the US. Um, but overall, it's it's still a good combination. I think that's what what nice about the Gladiator and the Wrangler. As you say, you can modify it, and we're about to pull, put some Mopar bits on our Wrangler, and a lot of that will also carry over onto the Gladiator. So I think we'll see yeah. SEMA this year. We're going to see so many Gladiators with, with tricked up and everything else, and that's kind of part of the fun. And, yes, you can do it with the ZR2 Colorado. You can do it things like the Tacoma TRD, the Toyota uh, but this this is kind of what Jeep's all about, both from Mopar, which of course is the official tuning division, mm-hmm. or in the in, in the in the broader aftermarket. There's some great stuff out there. The the other question I I thought to ask when I saw the video was in the video there's um uh Dan referenced he's like you know it's a full Jeep you can take the top off you can fold the windshield down you can take the doors off and 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 there was a picture of it in the video and I was like oh it looks good it's completely naked but what does that do to it? Like, is the this is a full frame vehicle, and all of its structural integrity is basically that frame? Because once you start taking all the body panels off, yeah, you know, there's nothing left. Like, you know, I had the Alfa Romeo over here, and you know, we used to you've seen it a bunch of times. You try to get in it once, yeah. The spider. And, uh, yeah. I was like, you know, the truth is, if you put the top down and open both doors and stand in the middle, or probably fold in half. I don't know <laughs> how much structural integrity. Like the only thing that's going to keep that thing from snapping into is probably the drive shaft. You know, uh, it's just not. It's not a car you're meant to do. Like there, there is a difference. If the top is down and two guys are in the car and you open both doors and try to get out at the same time, like there's a difference. <laughs> you know, and I, I how does. How does Jeep deal with that? It's just a completely robust frame? Yeah, I think the big difference is uh, t- two things compared to the Alpha. A, you know, technology has moved on in the yeah. past sort of 60 years or whatever since the graduate. <laughs> or yeah. um, but also if you look at the Jeep, it's not like the whole thing comes about. You actually keep the frame. Mm-hmm. So really what you have is a frame that you then hang things on. So you hang the doors on and yeah. uh, and the roof actually. It's not like the whole roof comes away. It's actually the – if you have the fabric roof, it peels away from the structure. So you do keep a lot of the integrity and so rigidity. when the doors come off, is there a door frame still on it or can yes. you – It's not like – it's not a cabriolet in a – yeah, you still have – um, you still have the inherent structure of the vehicle. Yeah. And I'm sure if, if Dan Edmonds, our director of testing, was here, um, no relation, he would, um, <laughs> he would t- you know, he would explain that there's marginal differences, but it's not like the old days where yeah. you, you take the, you know, it's not the house of cards that, that, that we all talk about. Right. But you guys compare it against the, the Chevy, uh, the, the Chevy Colorado and, you know, th- I assume that has a frame underneath it as well, but they can rely on the cabin structure of that as part of its structural integrity. And yeah. and Jeep has to sort of compensate with with the frame for the most part. There's there's like you said, there is some structure, but it's not quite the same. They don't have an attached roof I to the A pillars and B pillars. And I think the other difference is, and we've seen this with a lot of um, castings like the 911, for example, is if you set off designing a vehicle knowing that this is how it's going to be mm-hmm. then you design it accordingly where, where it goes wrong is where you create a coupe or a sedan and then and then somewhere along the model cycle they say let's take the roof off yeah probably like the evoke a range rover evoke but then you then you have difficulties 
because then the whole you're trying to artificially re-inject rigidity into something that wasn't necessarily designed that way. Yeah. It's funny because uh, in the supercar world, we see that. They're like, oh, we have whatever, an Aventador. And they're like, the Roadster has very minimal uh, added structural pieces. It's like, but it has some. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> you know? and the weight goes up. Yeah, and, and yeah. you inherent. did have like a giant carbon fiber X brace you know, in the engine compartment. Like there is something there. There is a difference. I guess the difference is things like the McLaren where it's uh, where you've got a carbon tub that things are hung off then then you've got so much rigidity yeah. that that it becomes less of a less of a drama. Um, that, I mean in that case that's almost like a, a um starts off as a roadster and the bolt bits onto it. I think uh Bill I think you should uh test the Jeep Gladiator. I think we need to find I I've, I've, I've definitely thought about um Testing one of those puppies out, put it through the paces of the Gover Garage for sure. Yeah, property. I, I think it's a worthy. I think it's a worthy choice. I, I like it. I, it. Mopar's got so many aftermarket options for it already. I mean, you can individualize it, and yeah, God knows I, the performance options are there. I'd be I'd be curious to see what you think of it. Um, one, you know, is it roomy or is it roomier with with outdoors and stuff <laughs> on it? You know, as the weather starts to get nice, that might be an interesting option and. And and truth be told, like uh, uh, Wanda drives more trucks than anybody down there, and because she's constantly doing stuff, and I'd love to get her opinion on it to see how it compares to. I'm sure she's rolling around like a big F two fifty or something, something diesel or whatever. But I'm curious yeah, as to long know. As you can pull a horse trailer and throw hay in the back; she'll drive it. But if not, she won't. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just wondering if it and if it seems like a fun version. Like, hey, it can take the top off, or I can take a door off, and do whatever. I feel like. Bill can take the door off easier than I can, but <laughs> you know it seems like a, uh, a fun secondary vehicle. It's purpose built for sure. I wouldn't want to have to use it every day, but it's surely if it's a second vehicle or a third vehicle or whatever it is, purposely, you know, it's a it, it, it has a lot of potential to be a lot of fun. It looks like it yeah. is, and and if you spec it up, you can get lots of toys and luxury stuff as well. So, no, we like it. We're a big fan. Yeah, well, that's good. Then the Jeep's doing what they're supposed to be doing, and it. And I'm sure it's a difficult balance of making all the Jeep people happy and then making sort of the masses happy Well, as well, saying maybe the Jeep Gladiator is going to be one of the vehicles that brings first-timers to the Jeep family. Yeah, and the strange thing is actually I think, you know, why did they, why did they take so long? I don't know, but it's not like this yeah, was just no an doubt. idea. This wasn't like, oh, we just came up with this idea. Like people have been talking about this idea forever. Yeah, and it's like you look at the the market in the U.S. and then you say, you know, like nobody's buying trucks. Yeah, they, yeah. they don't sell. Yeah, then that's that's not the case. No. Is selling. there a business case for yeah. doing a truck? Oh, tricky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially when a- you've already built the front half of the car. I mean, really? Yeah, you've already got, you know, a big chunk of the components. And and, and speaking of trucks, I think I, I think we might have mentioned this on um, uh, maybe Carcast last week or maybe Shift and Steer, but. Uh, I started seeing, I'm sure you saw some of the spy shots of the uh, F-150 EV, the Mm. all-electric F-150 that uh, uh, has an independent rear suspension in it. I'm sure there's a couple things going on. One would be packaging. How do you put a big battery in there? And, uh, uh, you you know, maybe there's there's no drive shaft at all. Maybe there's just rear motors in the rear and, and, you know, in the front or however they're doing the the powertrain on that thing. And... uh, uh, eliminating the live axle, there's probably rooms for batteries and tuck them up high and have some off-road capability and and uh, 
and having coil springs allows them to probably compensate a little bit better for weight, uh, you know, balance that truck out a little bit. Um, and, or maybe they're also thinking that um, the electric F-150 isn't really going to appeal to an off-road audience. So this is more of a on-road utility truck, you know, anything from guys, you know, like you or me that may use trucks or like, like we we're saying, like Bill and his wife, Wanda, uh, landscapers and, you know, things yeah. like that, you know, which by the way is great because why roll up in a really loud truck seven in the morning and then fire up that leaf blower, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but why not have an electric version of it? If you think about the amount of miles, um, you know, all the uh, service trucks, like every F-150 service truck that's out there, if people started putting electric versions into their fleet, you know, it's, it's so much highway driving, street driving. Beaches, that you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why, why would you need the full off-road capabilities of, of you know, I, I think it's probably right. You're probably going to have it. If they want all-wheel drive, probably have a motor in the front and rear and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, Ford has been a bit behind the curve on the whole EV thing, and they're just they're playing catch-up over the next two or three years. They're going to be talking about little else. They've got a Mustang, Mustang. Well, they're calling it a Mustang-based SUV, which is yeah, a I think Mustang hybrid. I think they're just trying to put some excitement into the idea of an electric SUV, to be honest. But that that's coming next year. So they are, you know, the the EV F one fifty is coming. I mean, this this is happening really fast now. Well, really okay. Is. Hey guys, before yeah. I forget, Alistair, can you enlighten me a little bit about this? I don't know if it's electric, but it's the it's a take on the Urus, but it's a truck, uh, a Lamborghini. I um, an electric version of the Lamborghini. I don't know if it's an electric, but it's a truck version of the Urus. I, at, at the risk of shameless, shameless name dropping, I actually oh. had lunch with um, Stefano Domenicali, who is the CEO of Lamborghini, a couple of a couple of weeks ago in uh, in Beverly Hills. Which, um, and if if that is happening, he was giving giving nothing away. That there was. I, I think you got punked. I think you saw an April first uh, uh, post. I don't. I think it was like that Toyota Yaris yeah, truck it, that was going around. Quite possible, but it was today instead of yesterday. They may have just speaking been a bit punk, behind the curve. Speaking of the punk one, how about the Dodge uh, Ghoul that they said was a two hundred thousand uh, dollar limited run that uh, will be faster than the Demon? <laughs> I didn't see that. I, d- I didn't see that, but that sounds on par with the Abel's Fool stuff that was going out uh, for the Lamborghini. I saw I saw not the Urus, but I saw like the Lamborghini Camper post. It's like it's like a a, a Huracan towing the trailer. Did you see that post? It's, I didn't cool. see that. One. Yeah, so it's like a it's like a a trailer camper shaped like a Urus, and but it's being towed behind like a yellow Lamborghini Huracan. Uh, so hey, I it saw could that. be around April Fool's Day, but what people are doing with vehicles now, with Bentley with the SUV and with Lamborghini I, yeah. with the SUV, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm not uh, batting my eye at anything, but it, it's true. You know, I'm with you on this because uh, I don't know what's what's a joke or not because of what's happening in the car world. Cayenne um, Coupe, Cayenne Coupe came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Know. Well, so uh, yesterday, um, yesterday morning, I was in Irvine and went to. Uh, to a preview to the Ford Escape, and what's funny was that the Ford Escape is going to be an important small 
crossover vehicle for them because as they phase away from cars, other than Mustang, they're phasing away from their sedans and stuff. You know, I this I don't know. This essentially replaces a Ford Fusion. You know, maybe maybe a Ford Focus, Focus as well. Yeah, it's a bit bigger and, than a Focus. You know what, yeah. dude? I got to tell you, you get to go to some unbelievably cool events, but that one, I don't know if I would have liked to have been with you. No, and and look, I, it's one of these things where like, yeah, we love we love driving the the super fast cars, and you know, like I rolled up to the Ford Escape event in a jeep Trackhawk, <laughs> and and you know and i was lucky to get you know 14 miles per gallon on the way home and and that's when i wasn't diving in i've been averaging about 12 right. i'm gonna tell you right now yeah. i've been averaging about 12 i used the launch control in that thing just to see what would happen and uh it's fun and it is fantastically fun to your face and it served its purpose and the launch control is easy to use track mode launch button left foot brake go it's like there's no settings and it doesn't have to like lower the car and raise the wing and no like skill. no it's just like no it's 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 a little dangerous it's loud it's louder with the windows down it's clearly louder outside the vehicle than than inside the yeah. vehicle you can hear it inside the vehicle and when it shifts you hear that that good shift and um and not to get too much into into that vehicle we can save it for another time but having the Alfa Romeo Stelvio with the 505 horsepower back to back with the Jeep, everybody was saying, I can't believe it's $94,000 for a Jeep. I'd never spend $94,000 on a Jeep. I agree with you. That's a tough number to get behind, but this thing is fun. <laughs> this thing is fun. <laughs> and and somebody asked me, they're like, why get this over like a Cayenne, you know, or use Cayenne Turbo or, yeah. or something like that? And I said, because you get this to modify it. You get it to have fun with it. You can drive it every day. It's super comfortable. You can drive it every day. And it's at 707 horsepower. I, I forgot what the torque is, 650, 690, something like that. But the drivetrain, the transmission and stuff, and that is already rated at over 800 pound-feet of torque. You can make almost 1,000 horsepower on this thing and, and probably run slicks on it and not break it. And so that's kind of what I was coming to as throughout the week, as people were asking me, okay, who spends 94,000 on a Jeep Trackhawk? I was like, people that want a thousand horsepower Jeep Trackhawk because it, this thing is fun. Like just getting onto an on-ramp, even taking a turn and throttling down a little bit. Um, I, even though it's all wheel drive, I know it shifts a lot of that power to the rear wheels. It lifts the front end, and I'm sure with the right tire set up on it, you can get that thing off the ground. Um, it's super fun. Uh, it's super fun to do. But the Ford Escape, you know, you, you know how much how much fun they are. I, I mean, who needs a red eye? But I mean, I I absolutely swallowed an E63 this morning. Oh yeah. Now, now granted, the, the the thing's a four door, but um, just what it does when you press down the throttle man it's the exhilaration <laughs> that it gives you now yeah that's a lot of money for a track hawk but man it's a it's a rip or, or you just wait three years let somebody take the take the hit and pay 40 50 yeah look I, we say that about pretty much all used cars yeah. anyway right like that's kind of the go-to move on that and this thing will be fantastic then the engines are great we already know the engines are pretty tough um but uh i, I forgot where i was driving i was um i'm sure it was out on a date and uh, i was like hey do you know what this thing is it goes really fast really how fast let me show you hammered down <laughs> it made all this noise a minute and a half later like two dudes in like a 
like a G63, like Mercedes roll up, laughing their ass off. They're going, what the hell, man? That thing's quick. And I was like, yeah, I smoked your G-Wagon for sure. And they're like, God, it was loud. And then the girl's just laughing her ass off going, what, what's going on? What's going on with this thing? So it's just, it's that. It's fun. And the one they sent over, uh, the tr- track is a billet silver. It's billet silver with the blackout trim. And to be honest with you, you can't really tell the difference between this and any other Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. You can't. There's a little badge on the back. It says Trackhawk, but it's like the little fancy wings. There's like nothing mean about I it. I like that though. Yeah, actually. and it's kind of it's kind of classy, and uh, uh, so you would just never really know it. And driving it around normal, it's not loud, and you you just don't know it's a Trackhawk. But um, I'll let you segue into these uh, more practical cars after I read you a text message transmission that Dave and from Speedcore and I had this morning. Yeah. Hi, Bill. What's the most horsepower you're, you have in your Dodges currently? And I responded. He said, 91 octane, or can you go E85? And I responded. His response, which is comical, we should, we should be around 950 at the crank. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> should have asked for 1,000. Right? Well, it's, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what I fuel don't, it's I don't on. I don't want but... to be greedy like asking for 21 when you're when you're playing blackjack i'll just ask for 20 yeah right this is the all carbon fiber hellcat that they're making for you right yes sir uh, oh, 90 percent nice. yeah I'm yeah yeah i mean it's all it's as much car as you can do um i'll tell you a little uh i'm gonna tell you guys about geico but um on that uh that ford escape we they had the preview event yesterday morning, which is mon- Monday morning. They had as you're listening to this it was Monday morning, and they said, you know, walk us through it, blah blah blah. Take your photos, and everything's embargoed. You can announce it on Tuesday. And I said, oh well, that makes sense because it's April first. You don't want anybody to think this is a joke. And the four <laughs> people kind of looked at each other and like, oh yeah. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't even put it together. They just kind of got lucky. Maybe somebody down the chain was like, "No, let's do it on a Tuesday." We don't want to release stuff on a Monday. But then realized everything was embargoed till today instead of yesterday because it would have been in the same you know Instagram feed of you know the the Lamborghini camper wagon. <laughs> well, we, we were talking off air about Peugeot coming back. To yeah. that. how do you pronounce it over here? Peugeot. 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 Yeah. Peugeot. Uh, coming back to the U.S. and that came out yesterday, and it was like oh, it's just April, April Fools. That's what we thought. <laughs> so Peugeot true. announced and they said we're coming back to the U.S. and we're going to come back two years ahead of schedule. Yeah. So we're going to go. And I was like, I don't. Why would you announce that on April first? Like, I don't know if that's a joke. Why would or you not announce it anyway? Yeah, why mean, would you announce it anyway? Because it feels like a joke. I do want to ask you about Peugeot first. I'll tell you guys about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off your dry cleaning, you pick up some milk, and now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Be sure to check out Geico.com. Peugeot, do we need it? Do we need it here in the U.S.? Do we care? It's an in, it's an interesting one, it's isn't French, it? Because right? it, it, it's it's French. Are we? Okay. Is it yeah. Uh, I bust your balls on the French, but I know your girl is French. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we need it? It's the same with Alpha and everything else. I mean, I grew up in the eighties, nineties. My first car was a, a Peugeot. I can't even pretend to pronounce it. A Peugeot one hundred and six, and this was Pininfarina design. These were if you were in a car enthusiast yeah. in that area, Peugeot two hundred and five. 
my mum had a 405 MI 16 by four, which was like this really cool sports sedan. Um, they they looked great. They drove great. They were the enthusiast choice. Period. Okay. And then they kind of lost their way, and and it was. It all, you know, they they the two hundred six and the cars that followed weren't great, and, and they had a real period in the doldrums. And, and for people who aren't familiar with it, so Peugeot and Citroen are one company, a bit like say Hyundai and, and Kia, and then they bought, and it comes under PSA, which is the the mothership, and then they bought Opel from GM. Oh, they did buy Opel. From they GM. bought Opel okay. from GM. And what's the lineup as far as you know, like the Hondas and Acuras? What's the quality? What's the luxury brand? I don't know. What's Citroen? So, or- so, so you have. Citroen is being is a bit like if you think of it in Kia Hyundai terms. So Citroen is a bit more youthful, a bit more quirky. Okay. Um, so it's the Kia. So that's like the Kia Peugeot, more like the Hyundai in that it's a little bit a uh, little bit more towards luxury uh, technology. And then DS, which I mean, I think people listening to the show will have heard of the Citroen DS from the from the sixties, fifteen sixties. Um, and that they tried to then relaunch DS as a luxury brand. So if you think what Audi is to Volkswagen, oh, so this be their Genesis, their Genesis, the, their, the, their Audi to Volkswagen Hyundai example. Exactly, this is their, this is their <laughs> Genesis. So now you have Opel or Vauxhall, as it's called in the you keeping up Vauxhall as it is in the UK, Peugeot, Citroen, DS being the luxury brand. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, we want to come into the US. What do we bring? And then we bring Peugeot. Now suddenly they're trying to get scale. I mean, we're talking about the escape. Is Peugeot the parent company? No, PSA is the Peugeot company. Okay, PSA. PSA. Yeah, but that's like saying GM is the parent company for – or FCA is the parent company. Yeah, yeah. Okay. um, So what – you know, I think what they do, and this is the thing, is they're looking at China, which they're already marketing. The U.S. remains such a big market. I mean, we're, we're going to do nearly 17 million new vehicles this year. We're talking about the Ford Escape. Toyota sells over 400,000 RAV4s a year. So if you're Peugeot, you're going to be looking at that market saying even if we can grab a bit of that, they're still big numbers. Do they have an SUV? Because that's kind of what you want to come to America with. Like yeah, Alfa Romeo, I don't know that they did, but they came here with FCA, and then all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, we kind of need a sporty little SUV, don't we? Yeah, you know, because that's going to increase their sales. I mean, Porsche did. Look at Porsche sales. And I want to say, uh, Bill, you mentioned the Lamborghini Urus. I want to say that the Urus is already like the best-selling vehicle Lamborghinis had. Um, uh, just don't buy that stupid yellow one. Come on, guys. <laughs> The thing is terrible in yellow, terrible in yellow. Uh, uh, but that's kind of where we are with that kind of stuff. You you mentioned Ford Escape. I think the F one fifty is the best selling vehicle in all of Ford's lineup. But I think Escape oh, is oh, like by, number two, by, but easily because it's about it is and that and but the Escape has not been a good selling vehicle yeah. in the class. Um, it's not. Well, a I, got a, I got a I got a big overall question for you, Alistair. Um, the and, and it's exactly what you guys are talking about. The introduction of these uh, cool, uh, the Lamborghini Urus, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're obviously not known as a uh, uh, as a manufacturer in that space. You see that that these manufacturers coming out with these really cool cars, these niche cars, are stealing people away from their normal allegiance to the brand. I think the reason they exist across the board is they looked at the market and there was for a while there was a statistic that something like 80% of Ferrari owners owned a Range Rover. So not like a big luxury SUV. They mm-hmm. owned a Range Rover. 
And they just looked at it. Volkswagen Group looked at it and said, well, we can do this platform. We can spin a Bentley off it in terms of the Bentayga. We can spin a Lamborghini off it. You think about the Chinese market, the Russian market, some of the emerging markets where, you know, the conditions arose, the U.S. market as well. And what what you were doing if you're Lamborghini, exactly the same rationale for Porsche going into Cayennes and Macans is saying, you know, uh, you know, look at look at as you've got a family bill. I've got one on the way, and and suddenly a nine eleven doesn't make as much sense as an everyday driver. So where do you go? Then you lose them. You lose them to the brand. So Lamborghinis, and it's interesting. And talking to their to their CEO, you're moving from a position where something like a Huracan or a Mercilago is is a toy for the weekend. A Urus yeah. is something that people might use every day. So it's bringing. Not only is it giving existing customers a vehicle that they can use every day and keep them in the brand. But the first time you're able to get wealthy, wealthy people who wouldn't have been able to consider a Lamborghini to say, actually, you know, I'm bored of my Range Rover or Range Rover isn't expensive enough. I need a, Mm -hmm. you know, I need a vehicle that's a couple of hundred thousand dollars plus because, you know, my neighbors have all got Range Rovers or whatever it may be. And there's plenty of that mentality in L.A. It's working for Porsche. And uh, and and Bill, as you mentioned, like uh, uh, Aston Martin's going to do it, and I don't know if Aston Martin is doing it to keep people within the brand. I think Aston Martin people are going to do it to bring people to the brand, which is a little different move. Uh, the Rolls Royce Cullinan, yeah. I, I talked to the Rolls Royce people. We like them a lot. They've sent us cars. We enjoy the cars. Really, one of the best driving things out there. And I said, "Why do an SUV? Do you think you're going to bring new people to the brand?" And they said, "No." They said all of our customers were just asking for an SUV. They want the Rolls-Royce SUV in their garage next to the Rolls-Royce car and and maybe it's, you know, guy and his wife or they switch it up or they want the family vehicle and uh because you're you know, you know it, it it makes complete sense to me. It's just amazing to me to see these brands that are so I mean so staunchly sports car brands making the switch because if you have someone who has more money than they know what to do with driving a, the most expensive, most luxurious car, they want that version also in an SUV. Well, They'll it's pay int- for it. It's interesting. There's a lot of fuss when the Cayenne Coupe came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's the end of Porsche. You know, it's all this cliche, this mm-hmm. clickbait stuff. Oh, it's the end of Porsche. And I actually thought, you know what? For, for, for my lifestyle right now, one of, one of these would be about ideal. Uh, I'm not, you know, it's a it's a hefty price bracket, and I wouldn't be spending that much on a new vehicle necessarily. But it was, it's more about you know what it what it actually does. It's fast, it's sporting, but it's got plenty of space for stuff for mm-hmm. people. It makes a lot of sense. That's why the Macan's been so successful because what they've done with the Macan, and I think this is where Lamborghini and Bentley and Rolls, you know, this is where the art of it is. Can you translate your brand values into those vehicles? And yeah. so that's where I think Porsche, with the Macan in particular, less so with the Cayenne, has done a fantastic job because it still feels like a Porsche. The Cayenne, I drove the new one last week, particularly if you go for the base model. It's a beautifully executed SUV. Is it a Porsche? Not not for me. No. And where, where they – the only part where they kind of hurt the brand is in resale value for those for the SUVs. Yeah. But, you know, you go in there, there's a certain amount of quality that's still Porsche. There's a certain amount of performance benchmarks that is still Porsche. But is there anybody left other than if Aston Martin's going to do an SUV, Maserati's done it, Alfa Romeo's done it, Lamborghini's done it now, Ferrari is the only one, right? And they're and, doing it. And 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 there's so I was going to ask you about that. There's so much we're doing it, we're not doing it. Like, sure, we've got all the specialty coming. We got the Kona Zags and then whatever, maybe Bugatti, but Bugatti's only really got like one car at a time anyway. So, uh, 
is there is there really anybody left other than Ferrari? And do you think Ferrari is really going to do it? Uh, I think Ferrari will do it because I think their business model has changed, uh, and it's all to his stock price and everything else. So it, it makes total sense for them. Um, I feel like Ferrari makes more money and, off of T-shirts and think than of they how do. Cool it is, right when you say that, I mean, obviously it's quite impractical. But how badass would it be to have a Ferrari SUV? Yeah, if if done right, yes. I think it's going to be cool. I, I'm very interested in the Lamborghini Urus. Uh, we've requested one to drive because I, I don't necessarily love the way it looks, especially in particular colors. Yeah. Um, but I'm expecting it to be an animal to drive. And I, I'm expecting really fun, good things, you know, uh, especially now – as we've we've jumped into a few SUVs like the Alfa Romeo and even the Acura MDX, just sort of on, on the on the everyday version to it, and then stepping up to a to a to a Trackhawk. You know, I'd love to see what what uh, what Lamborghini is doing to it, and I have a feeling you're going to get in it and go, "This thing is a lot of fun. This thing yeah. is really cool. Don't get yellow." You know, I don't really like it because it's a bit vulgar, but actually I kind of respect it. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, the only people who keep hanging on to it are McLaren. McLaren are the only people. I mean, they're about to... Yeah, so, okay, so Ferrari and McLaren? Yeah, Ferrari are going to do it. McLaren are... I'd be amazing if Ferrari don't. I, I know this is, it, there's, there's all these sort of rumors. I think Ferrari are going to do it. Uh, McLaren are adamant that they will... I mean, McLaren about to... They're talking about doing a, a GT car with a 2 plus 2 and things like that, which makes sense for them. Um, but the going for an SU, going to an SUV, they're adamant that they won't. But it also slightly feels like I remember back in Europe, people talking about diesels. Oh no, you know, Jaguar will never do a diesel yeah. and all this. And then you know the market changes and people look at the economics of it and say, this is what people want. You know, give them what they want. Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you guys about Continental Belts, and then I'm going to I'm going to ask you a little bit, just another question about some of the rules happening in Europe because we're we always talk about our rules out here and how they're a mess, especially in California. But there's some stuff going on over there that, real quick, I just want to get your thoughts on. Um, but Continental, you guys heard us talk about this uh, a while back. If you think about all the weird things that you find in cars, not just petrified French fries. I'm talking about melted crayons, live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the stuff that makes you really wonder about folks. Well, you'll also find Continental belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE Technology Series line of belts. These are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V belts. The belt with the OE pedigree. Get the full story at OE technologyseries.com. That's oetechnologyseries.com. I know that, uh, I, I don't know exactly where, but some areas of Europe are trying to get away from just combustion engines completely and trying to mandate at some point in the future only EV or some form of, is it maybe EV and hybrid? I don't know yeah. what, what the deal is going to be, but they're starting to push to that. And some car companies, I think, are, are are saying, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to start to become like an EV company, maybe Volvo or something or Polestar or whatever they're doing. Um, but now you're saying when, when I saw you coming in, you're like, oh, they're trying to set a limit, not a speed limit for what you can drive, but a speed limit of what your car is allowed to do. So sort of a nanny, electronic nanny in the car that – and I don't know if it, if it 
if it's just capped out like at 75 or 85 miles an hour or is it capped out based on the speed limit of the road? Because, you know, now we can drive the cars and our, our GPS and our heads-up display shows you the, the little speedometer sign. Go, oh, you're in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. You don't see the sign, but we know because you've Google <laughs> and found out. Why, why limit the speed of a car? Um, yes. Why? I mean, basically, <laughs> yeah, why? what they're, what they're doing is by 20, in 2022, the EU is going to introduce legislation so that, that you're right, the technology already exists. So it uses a mixture of GPS, sign recognition technology, and then it will automatically control the speed of the car to the speed limit. So you enter a 40 zone, it will reduce the speed of the car to 40. It's using sort of adaptive, you know, it's using technology that, that, that is already here. But this is going to be mandatory. The interesting thing about it is, though, that you will be able to, able to override it by jumping on the throttle if you, there's a sort of emergency situation. And I'm also reading that you can turn it off as well. So it kind of begs, begs the question why have Like it. the auto start-stop button in the car. But, yeah. but the rule is going to be it's the default is it's on. And now you have to get into every car. And now we have to hit two buttons. We have to start it. We have to turn off that <laughs> auto start-stop button. And then we have to turn off the speed regulated button or we got to pull more fuses. <laughs> I mean, I, I got dragged into CNN on Sunday night talking, talking about this on, on the airwaves. And it was all about actually – Everybody says that you know it's a safety thing, and yeah, in a speed is you know it, speed in the wrong place is clearly a, clearly a bad thing. We'd, we'd all agree on that. But what what worries me, and you know this, driving in LA is how distracted everybody is. Yeah, I mean, one of my team got rear-ended this this morning, and we're pretty sure probably somebody was just on the, you know, why 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 yeah. did they you know it came from nowhere? Sure, and we have big problems with um. With, with distraction on our roads, and if the car takes over and starts reducing the speed, it's another thing not to concentrate on, and and that's my big concern. And, and what we're doing is constantly trying to manage the machine, not the person behind, not the person behind the wheel. Yeah. And driving standards, we know, are pretty terrible. Uh, uh, distraction awareness on the road is is really bad. So it feels like another thing which is just going to you know detune the driver, and and that's my big concern that we should be teaching. Because you know, it's like oh, it's it's not speed that kills per se; it's inappropriate speed, and and that's that seems to be the bit that everybody misses. Yeah, I don't know how many accidents are accredited to speed these days versus anything else: distracted driving, you know, whatever. And and look, if there's going to be legislation that's passed. It shouldn't be regulating the car. It should be more complicated to get a license. It should be everybody who gets a license has to go do two days at Skip Barber or Bondurant or or some program and get on those skid pad cars with the training wheels and, and make everybody more aware. Exactly. Right? Like if you if you educated people in the experience of of losing control of a car, that would save so much more I mean, can you imagine the amount of like fewer accidents and things happening and, and saying you need to experience driving the car? The other thing I would do is make everybody watch a crash test. I've, I filmed a couple for some documentaries I made. And, and when you are, you know, sort of 20 feet away from an actual yeah. impact, even at 35 miles an hour or something, it, it's terrifying. The amount of energy and the force and... I know you, you drive home like ten miles an hour slower and really, really paying attention because it's it's, yeah. it's pretty scary all the force involved. I was talking to somebody the other day as well, and they said, "Oh, you know, the, I saw an accident, and some guy was, you know, he wasn't going fast; he was only going thirty miles an hour, but he got into the lane of the, into oncoming traffic and hit a car coming at him at thirty miles an hour." It's like, no, you hit that guy at sixty miles an yeah. hour because he was coming the opposite way at probably thirty at least, and combined sixty and sixty mile an hour collision is a disaster of a. 
collision. Like when we think about we're driving on the road at 60 miles an hour, anytime somebody crashes into somebody, we – you know the tests and the crash testing takes into uh, takes into account the amount of braking you applied before you actually hit something. So if you were doing sixty miles an hour on the freeway and you're going to hit somebody, you're going to hit somebody, and that whole front of your car is going to crumple like it's supposed to. But you didn't hit them at sixty unless you were just not on the brake at all. Yeah, right on your phone. Yeah, we're you know <laughs> you know we're all the car companies are hoping you hit them at twenty two. Yeah. You know, otherwise you'd be sitting on that engine or that engine would be sitting on your chest. You know, so it's just, I don't know. I feel like driver education is, is I make it part of the high school programs, you know, make driver's ed a little bit more robust and educational and get some of them ponderant skid pad cars out there. We're getting very worthy, well, you, but I you agree. You think yeah. it'd be a little more important. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But also, it's way more fun. Well, I, I've talked before about doing my Californian driving test out here. Yeah. And it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was like we drove around the block at 20 miles an hour, and you know, the guy talked to me about some of the technology in a Chevy Bolt, and the guy was asking me some about some of the technology. And that was that. That was that. And I'm like, Buy okay. forevermore. You seem like a nice guy. We'll give you a license. Yeah. yeah. Something in car. Do you know how to parallel park? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it now. That's yeah. fine. Well, here's your license. Just come back another time. Um, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to wrap things up. We're going to hand the studio over to the next crew. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, let's see. Uh, you can check us out at carcastshow.com. You can follow me at Motorator. I'm on all the social media. And uh, Goldberg is up there. Is it Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter? Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Uh, definitely follow those accounts. Lots of good posts. I'm sure if you scroll through his feed, you'll see the carbon fiber, the rendering of the carbon fiber Hellcat. It looks badass. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> and uh, Alistair Weaver is on Twitter at Alistair Weaver. Good luck trying to spell that. And uh, you can find him on Instagram at his new his, his new Instagram handle, <laughs> Weavometer. Stop it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I guess nobody. It's, it's, you go it's to Starbucks. It's Wevo meter. It's because in the UK, I had this column in the yeah. Sunday Time, big newspaper, and they always used to call it the the, the Wevometer, which was always like Weaver's rating for the vehicle. Yeah. And over here, over here, nobody can spell Alistair. Never like, never mind, sort of say it. Yeah. So it was pretty hopeless for you guys to call it out on air if it's Alistair. We're like, no. In yeah, school, we learned gone. I before E, except after exactly. C, but we don't so, know the AI thing or I, I, IA or or like. And everybody's really pretentious on Instagram anyway, so yeah. I thought I might as well join the club. There you go. It's W-E-A-V-O-M-E-T-R, Weavometer. Check them I out. Know, M-O-T-E-R. No. <laughs> no. I know what mine is. Is is that right? We've, no, Weavometer. That's it. Weavometer. Yeah. yeah weave like speed ometer. Ometer. Yeah. So, see what I've done there? Yeah. By the way, if you're already following him on Instagram, you're in luck because you just got the name changed and it's the same guy. Same charming guy. All right. I don't know when we're going to see you next. You've got a baby on the way, but thank you for coming in. And uh, hopefully we'll get a hold of you next month. But uh, I know you might be busy. I might just be a bit weary. Trying to get a baby seat in the back of that 911. I might have a whole new perspective. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, He's going to come back in a Urus. 911 didn't cut it. Had to get the SUV. Uh, All right, Bill, thanks for calling in. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.